those leaders who are working on themselves, doing some professional development, looking after their emotional, mental and physical well-being, have been able to ride this wave so much better. Hey there, this is Bev and I'm the host of People at Work Today. This podcast is brought to you by Jostle, the creators of an employee intranet. And at Jostle, we're trying to help people be more connected to all the things that matter to them at work every day. And while we're building our intranet, we're also having conversations with all sorts of leading thinkers around the world who are helping us understand how the face of work is changing and what should we be doing to actually make work better for people. So I'm delighted today to welcome Jan Turkelson and Michelle Turkelson, who are going to be talking through today how to create a connected and constructive culture, specifically while we're working remotely. Now, Jan and Michelle have uh, an incredible array of expertise around professional leadership. They are executive coaches, team building experts, personality profiling professionals, and they are also podcast hosts of uh, the People Leaders podcast. So welcome to you both. I'm delighted to welcome two guests onto the show today. This is fairly unusual. We normally have one guest per show, so I'm really excited to have two people to talk to this, to this afternoon. So welcome. Thanks. Thank They're double trouble. <laughs> Excellent. I love it. So perhaps let's start with, um, you know, we've gone through incredible change in a very short space of time. Uh, I'm here in Canada. Uh, you're both in Australia. And uh, from both of our perspectives, I'm sure that we've seen a lot going on for workplaces and for people at work in ways that maybe we didn't even imagine at the beginning of 2020. So perhaps I could ask both of you to share your thoughts on where are we right now with work? So right now, it has gone through a number of transitions. And as we were talking before, you know, first of all, it was the setup and everyone was scurrying home, setting up their desks and their workplaces. And then it was, okay, we still need to get some work done. But people were finding it difficult to find a performance rhythm. And now what we're finding is that people have gone through the change curve and they're going through another change curve now around fatigue so there is a lot of fatigue that is building up and also is this sustainable the way in which we're working is it sustainable and starting to think about how we can really do things differently in this new environment that not only it creates a productive and engaging workplace but also we're having a sense of a fulfillment around our work. It's just not drudgery. And I think that's the biggest challenge that we are finding with people that we're dealing with is there is that high level of fatigue because they're always just on Zoom and always on camera. Mm. Yeah, and thanks, Jan. Yeah, and the other thing that... So, so what when we reflect on what's happened to people... We have found that those leaders who are already uh, working on themselves, doing some professional development, looking after their emotional, mental and physical well-being, have been able to ride this wave so much better. And the same applies with teams. And intuitively, we know that. However, mm. we have actually seen it unfolding now. And so teams who had already spent some time working on, okay, a team purpose, this is our charter, this is how we're going to have difficult conversations, we're already in a rhythm of meeting and checking in on a regular basis again they have been able to ride this wave the ups and 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 the downs so much faster than teams and leaders that didn't spend the time preparing H however it's it's never too late 
And, and so the same principles apply. Uh, you know, if you do spend time on yourself and on your team, it, you are more resilient to any of these changes that we see. Yeah, thanks, Michelle. And from your perspective, um, how are the people who were less prepared feeling? Like what's going on for them right now? Oh, that, well, when you look at them on Zoom, they, they look they look a little bit shattered, actually. They look like they're being put through the ringer because what they're doing is that they have brought some of their old habits into their home now and there's little separation between work and home. And so the extra 20 minutes that they would have used to commute to work, they're just rolling out of bed sometimes and then hopping on Zoom and then going all day or, you know, and, and then at the end of the day, they're, they're exhausted. Well, which is so interesting because now more than ever, we can close that laptop. Like we have control over that laptop, believe it or not. We can close it, look outside, go for a walk around the block and then come back inside. And it is just about setting up new habits and new ways of thinking. And this is where I think when we were talking about the importance of developing a level of self-awareness, and I think mm -hmm. that's the important thing that leaders need to do, because when you have a high level of self-awareness, you understand what to dial up and what to dial down, when to offer support and when to actually ask for support. And then you also have the discipline to self-regulate. So like Michelle said, um, we were having a coaching session last night with a group and a lot of them um, deal with different time zones from different countries and they find that I'm always on, you know, with work. Mm. And we had to coach them through really changing their physical environment to change their psychology around, okay, I'm stopping work now. So I am closing my laptop. I'm changing the clothes that I wear. I'm actually going to go outside for a five minute walk and then come back in for a reset. So they're transitioning. And when you have the discipline to create little rituals around your day that's when you are actually going to change because otherwise it's just that theoretical, you know, talking. And we find that the most successful leaders are the ones that not only have self-awareness, they have the discipline to instill daily rituals and habits that create, you know, high performance. Yeah, it's interesting that you talk about the, the rituals to create that separation. And I, I remember early on in the pandemic, um, I was reading an article about the idea that it's not just that we've been asked to work from home, it's that we've been asked to work from home during a pandemic. <laughs> and so <laughs> working from home would be great, <laughs> right? So as time has progressed, what have you seen in the customers that you've been working with that take into account this level of anxiety and stress and restriction, quite frankly, that we have on our lives? Okay, so I'll give you one example of an organisation. So what they found is everyone was on Zoom from, you know, like 9am in the morning right through to 5pm. So what they decided to do is um, place a little bit of a no-fly zone between 12 midday and 1pm. And that gave everyone permission to actually get out and have a lunch break, to um, have um, lunch with their children who were at home because there was a lot of homeschooling in Australia at the moment because um, people had that lockdown. And so as an organisation, they took that as an opportunity to really give people permission and 
when the senior leaders and the executive mm. leaders did that as an organisation and asked their senior leaders to do it, that's when start, things started to shift. So that was one thing. Another example, Michelle, do you want to go and we'll yeah, tick well, well, Yeah, the, the other example is a water um, company. What they decided to do is have what they call Focus Fridays. So on Friday, this is your opportunity to work on those uh, really important projects that are important to you, to the team and to the business and there would be no meetings. So it is your opportunity to progress these on your own uh, with, with the space and the time in order to do that. So and they weren't taken up with meetings. And I thought that we thought that was great having focus Fridays and mm. that's worked really well for them. Mm. Another senior um, executive from a energy company. So what he would do is he would make himself available um, the, on the afternoon of Friday between, you know, two and four, and he would just be on zoom. So he would be working and anyone could um come to the Zoom room and have a chat. So sometimes it might be one-on-one, -on -one, sometimes there might be five people. Some people come in part way in the conversation. So it was really kind of an open forum to have a conversation. And what we have found is that the hierarchy of organisations has actually flattened right. because senior executives and leaders are, are more contactable now and because they're not flying as much, they're yeah. more available. So we're actually starting... <laughs> skip level conversations and that flattening out of that hierarchy. Yeah, that's interesting that you, you say that. And there's a couple of things that I'm going to pull on from the examples that you both cited. But the one thing that um, I wanted to ask you about is as time has progressed and we've gotten to know each other more on a personal level because we're actually seeing into each other's lives in ways mm. that we were not before. Mm. What sort of impact has that had on sort of equalizing and flattening hierarchies do you think oh it has without a doubt when people are sitting there and all of a sudden their dogs race in or their wife comes in with the washing or somebody else uh interrupts a meeting the the teams and the organizations that do well um engage that as something that is natural and you know we've all got families we've all you know got issues and they started to introduce each other to their partners to their families and it created such a sense of community and when you get to know somebody on a different level in a you know in a different way you actually cut them some slack mm -hmm. <laughs> you're less judgmental you're more forgiving and it feels like there's a, a greater sense of community happening as a result of that because they've had to <laughs> mm. yeah and part of it is the the senior leaders leading the way for that and so the senior leader would um, every now and then move the room. So sometimes they'd be in the lounge room. Sometimes <laughs> I've seen it in the laundry just to create a sense of, yeah, this is the new normal. Like anything mm. is possible and, and we accept there's a level of acceptance around how we're actually dealing with this situation. Mm. And um, yeah, I think, the biggest thing is that anything is really possible. You know, like we are getting a masterclass in mm -hmm. being flexible and being accepting of things that we cannot control, <laughs> you know? So I think um, the people who have really come through this are the ones who have been working on themselves. Themselves, without yeah. a doubt, without a doubt. Yeah, 100%. And the other thread that I wanted to pull on was an extension of what you were just talking about around... Um, 
this idea that the leaders actually have to set the tone for some of these changes to actually occur. So you were talking about the giving of permission of, you know, having that no fly zone. So if the leaders are actually doing it themselves, they are actually setting the tone for how we are allowed to show up. Um, what are you seeing in how leaders have really had to confront some of their own rules or boundaries and have had to change themselves quite a bit to allow this adaptation to happen? Oh, Bev, their teams would have left them behind if they didn't. Because of the flattening of the, the hierarchy and people were online and seeing how other teams were mm. doing things a little bit differently, they were bringing that to the table. And so the leaders who were a little bit behind had to catch up because their teams were challenged them, encouraging them to do things differently. You know, why don't we have a check-in every, you know, once a day at the end of the day to see what went well and what didn't. And so, again, if leaders did take the lead, that's fantastic. But if they didn't, they actually had to catch up because their teams were moving them forward anyway. And what we have found also is the leaders that knew they needed to change this was a really a good choice point for them. So, for mm. example, I was coaching a senior leader um, in a construction firm and he was very task-oriented. So it was really about the task, the objective, you know, getting the project done. And with the, the pandemic and he had to start to manage virtually, he actually now, he couldn't control the task as much because he wasn't on site. He didn't have a line of sight about what was happening. And so therefore um, part of the coaching was they actually had to develop the relationship, not just focus on the task. And the best way, the single most effective way he did that was to start having one-on-one -on -one conversations and start to listen, like deeply listen to what the people were saying and start coaching them, not telling them. And I think for this leader, we have seen such a turnaround in his leadership team and himself personally, because he, he's really developed the, the skill and it is a skill of deep listening. And what he has found is when he has been able to listen and be okay with the silences, you know, be a little bit uncomfortable with the pause because people need time to process, he has found that the quality of his questions have enhanced the quality of his relationships and then the outcome and results have just, you know, flipped around as well because people feel engaged, they feel heard and understood and they're kind of more motivated to do well, you know, even though obviously they were before, it's just changed the dynamic slightly. That's a really good point, Jan. When, when this pandemic first um, hit, the, the leaders that started to develop the relationship one-on-one -on -one with people, like having regular check-ins, you know, almost every day and others were thinking, gee, that's over the top, were the ones that were able to ramp up the, and get the task done to, you know, transition so much better because people felt that their leaders had their back. They, you know, that they were looking out for them as individuals rather than somebody who would fulfil this task for them. Mm. And that was 
pretty pivotal, wasn't it, Jan? Mm -hmm. And other things that like really practical things that um, teams did is leaders would have a dashboard of all the things that they needed to get done. And then as a team, collectively, they would agree who would get it done because there were some people who had children homeschooling and some people who actually didn't. And as a collective, they agreed and it was on the, the whiteboard at the back, the leader was scribing. So there were really practical ways that as a team, they came together and now they have a digital um, dashboard that they use. So everyone is over what everyone is doing. So again, this open and transparent way of working is coming through the, um, through the, the way of, you know, which we work. So that was one thing. Another thing that, um, that teams did is that, like Michelle said, they did daily check-ins and then after a period, it was weekly check-ins and then they checked in with the team. Is this working? How often do you think we need to check in? So just don't assume. Mm -hmm. And now it's, um, you know, some leaders are doing it once a week, some once a fortnight, just depending on the dynamics of the team. And what they would do, they would build in check-ins in team meetings. So, for example, one of the activities that we um ran with a team is we did a strengths finder. So it was really just a chart of all different characteristics of strengths. And then we put it up on the screen and then each individual had to nominate a strength that they felt that they contributed to the team and how they did it. And we turned it around. So then we would partner people and then they would actually have to have a conversation in a Zoom room talking about what is a strength that I see in you that you bring. So even though, you know, we're um, not physically present we are connected you know mm -hmm. and it really is a mindset shift yeah and I think yeah, it's like one that we that. should be be grateful for right like it's one of the great uh, you know opportunities that's been presented to us that never would have happened without the pandemic circumstances right so um so I think what I'm hearing from both of you is really this emphasis on the humanness of interactions that's taking place and how we've really been able to quickly move to compassion, care, interest, um, sense of community and feeling like we're all in this together. And I feel like all of those things have really allowed us to get to a very different level of connection with one another than we would have had in the office. So I'm curious, what do both of you think about where things are, are, are tracking in terms of making workplaces more human? Yeah, it will never be the same, <laughs> which, is a, which is a great thing. Mm -hmm. and, and yes, it, it will be interesting to, to see how we do transition back because so many people have changed, um, you know, in terms of their what they want for their lives. And that's what we've noticed. Mm. People want a different kind of life now that they've experienced it. We've had people say, I've never had breakfast with my children. This is a CEO five days in a row ever. And you know what? Things are going to change. I, I am, I'm not going to give that up again. People have been able to, you know, work with their children, really understand how they think. And they said, I'm never, you know, you know, go back to full-time work the way I was before. And, and the leaders are really sort of embracing that that flexibility with themselves and with each other. And and that is going to be so fascinating to see how we move to that new normal, whatever that looks like going mm. forward. And when we think of 
effective leaders, you know, there are always two elements. Of course, there's going to be the task, but there's also going to be the relationship. And I think if we err on the relationship a little bit, um, you know, fuller than the task, because we are always going to get things done through people. Through people, yeah. That's it. And (laughs) so... 100%. And we were coaching someone last night and they were saying, you know, like I get really motivated, you know, around, you know, this particular project and I don't know how to get my team motivated as much as uh, I do and how do I... I want to be their their friend, but I also, you know, want to be able to be clear about... Or she didn't say clear. I want to be able to to get the job done. And Michelle and I instinctively said, you can have a really good humanistic relationship with someone and be crystal clear. And that's the thing. When you can communicate your expectations and communicate in the style that that person is going to receive it, then you can influence, you can really get things done. And I think that's the key is, do I understand the communication styles that my team have, the way in which I am going to bridge what they're thinking inside of their head and what I'm thinking inside of my head? And that's where leadership is a little bit of an art and a science. You know, there is a, a process around communication and understanding styles and then connecting with people from, yeah, a heart-centred approach. You know, you are a human being. Yeah, 100%. And I, th- I think that further to that is this idea that um, workplaces are made up of a collection of individuals. Mm. And I, f- I feel like that is something that has really evolved quite quickly over this past six months as well. It's yeah. not just that it's it's doubling down on the human centricity of workplaces, but we are all unique individuals. And you were talking about the CEO who has been able to have breakfast with his kids or somebody else who's able to go for a run at lunchtime that they maybe never were able to do, or, you know, whatever it is, we've all now realized that our individuality can be far greater expressed in this new way of working. And why should we go back? Like, Mm -hmm. I I think it would do us a disservice collectively if we, if we go back. Right. So what do you think? Yeah, we actually call that self-leadership and Michelle and I have been working on our mission. It was like, you know, we believe that everyone has the desire and the capacity to lead themselves. And if you teach like the fundamentals of leadership to everyone, you create this egalitarian structure where everyone can rise to their own natural level of self-leadership. Now, can you imagine Mm. every single person in an organisation taking accountability, being self-aware, having clear perspective and expectations? having the skills to have those deep constructive conversations you will you know that's deep leadership and what organization wouldn't want that but there there is an investment you know you've got to teach people the skills of leadership you know which is around listening questioning acknowledging you know self-regulation yeah and being able to give and receive feedback Feedback. and (laughs) and that's what we Um, are teaching our leaders and their teams because when you can harness those skills you can take it anywhere like I can be a better parent if I'm a really good listener (laughs) yeah so let's let's pull on that a little bit Um, you know we know that we've moved from this state of the initial shock of the pandemic and having to adapt to working from home for many of us um, you know really just getting our people into places where they can have some sort of productive contribution 
in addition to the stress that they're managing, their kids, their dogs, their other life things that are going on, um, that sort of plateaued into this nice sort of, okay, we, th we think we can function. Um, mm. But now we need to move into this place where not only can we function, but we can excel in this new state. Um, so let's talk a little bit about what that means for what leaders need to be doing. And we, you mentioned self-leadership skills. So what do we need to be teaching folks? And then what impact does that have on team performance and team productivity? Because ultimately we, very few of us actually work on our own, right? We all come together to have some sort of collective output. So two questions there really. So what are the skills we need to be teaching in a little bit of detail? And then what does that mean for teams and team performance? Yeah, it's, a, it's an interesting question in terms of the, the skills, because I think you, you hit, hit on it before, Jen, and, uh, you know, these are interpersonal skills. And I think it, we really believe that it starts with the individual. And what the leader does is that create the environment in order for people to reach their full potential. And some of the basic skills, and you cannot go past increasing your level of self-awareness and if if and emotional intelligence and, and they're interlinked because when you increase your level of self-awareness you can course correct very early on in the piece and the other thing is when you increase your level of emotional intelligence then you can start to have and be able to articulate how you are feeling to, to have emotional literacy is such an important skill what we we have this umbrella of you know uh, several basic emotions, you know, happy, glad, sad, bad, mad. And what we want to be able to do is expand that a little bit and say, well, actually, I'm feeling a little bit frustrated or disappointed and, and dig a little bit deeper. And mm. when we can do that individually and then do that and open it up, in, you know, in a, in a team environment without judgment, wow, you feel safe. And when you feel safe, you can start to experiment and you can question and do things differently and take risks. And that's that's the opportunity for leaders and for individuals now. Well, we did, I think, place a lot of onus on the shoulders of leaders. And now is the time for all of us to take responsibility for building a better workplace or a better team. It, it's just that the leader has a little bit more information, a little bit more positional power, uh, However, what we've seen is that that really doesn't account for much when you have a, a team of engaged people. Mm, mm. And so if I was a leader and I wanted to teach certain skills, I would definitely start with something like a, a, a team development um, workshop. And Michelle and myself, we... Um, um, advocates of the Myers-Briggs. So it could be anything. It could be the Myers-Briggs, it could be DISC, could be Hogan, anything that gives us a level of self-awareness. And what we love about the Myers-Briggs, it's a non-judgmental tool. It's over 70 years research based on Carl Jung's psychological type. And, you know, we spend a lot of time on the differences of introversion and extroversion because it really plays out in the organisation and the way in which we work, where we get our energy from and how we set people up to communicate at their best. 
And if I was a leader, I would definitely start with something like that, that not only gives people an experience of, oh, is that why that person does that? And I didn't know that they base their decisions on that criteria because I base it on this. And we start to see those um, differences, the diversity of thinking and diversity of thought, which is what we want for an organisation. So I think doing something like that would be one, you know, on my list. And the other thing that we would advocate is uh, feedback. So quite often the leader feels as though it's their responsibility to give feedback because I'm the leader and I can see things not working. What we really want to do is really flip that around and encourage the leader to ask and seek feedback because we all have blind spots, yeah? And if you can get some feedback, not only from people that report to you, from your, you know, from your colleagues and peers and from your stakeholders and clients, then you are going to be able to really flex your style as a leader because what we tend to do is we specialise as leaders on the things that we do really well and then we sort of get stuck in a little bit of a habit and a way of being and what feedback allows us to do is give us another perspective and then if we're brave enough we you know take on that feedback and we might move into action and do something about it and so we really that that is such a key skill when you can uh, ask for feedback from your team thank them and then start do, doing something about it and then you can encourage your team members to then start seeking feedback from people who you know they respect that they spend a lot of time with it doesn't all roads don't have to lead to the manager in terms mm. of providing that rich mm. feedback mm. so we were working with an event company and what we did is they introduced this concept of feedback and we agreed as a team what are five questions that I would be interested in finding out about the way in which I work. I then sit down with my manager and, and give them five people that I would want to ask in the organisation. Like I want to ask my lead client. I want to ask, you know, you know, Sally, who I work next to, et cetera, et cetera. And we set up a system, they set up a system where they asked five questions and they gave them feedback based on that. And that was really enlightening for people because what they did is they started to take control of their own feedback. Mm -hmm. And they asked people that they trusted, but also that they would consider their feedback. Now, you can ask people who you like and that are friendly and are going to give you, you know, great feedback. However, you've just got to check in on the purpose of the feedback because if you ask someone whose opinion you don't really consider, you're not going to do anything with it. And, and, and feedback is data. And data is an opportunity for us to just see things like Michelle said, you know, differently or broaden our perspective of the way in which we operate. Because as leaders, if we can expand our repertoire of behaviour, which means we have to expand our repertoire of, you know, the way in which we see things and perspectives, we can step into any situation, any event, and call on those um, you know, behaviours and strategies that will allow a better outcome, you know, and who, who doesn't want that? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I really like this idea of, of taking control of the feedback. And, mm. you know, I, I, to me, it, it's, it strikes me that we've really democratised access to people through this process too, right? So you yeah. might not have had a, a direct line to the CEO before, mm. but now you could, you know, in most, well, maybe not most companies, but in many companies, you could probably set up a Zoom call with the CEO now and actually have that conversation if you chose to do that. We've and seen it. Yeah, we've seen yeah. it. 
And so it, it really comes back t- for me to this empowerment of the individual, not only yeah. to understand themselves, but also to um, express and be present in their own contributions and in mm. their participation in the mm. organization and, and at a team level as well. Now, mm. I, I did want to just speak a little bit about as we've gone through this process, it hasn't all been unicorns and rainbows. And um, there are some people who are really struggling with expressing their individual needs and not feeling heard. And um, there is this very real problem of social isolation that has been emphasized by the fact that many people have disappeared um, through the process of us moving to remote work. And they're not visible to their teams, they're not visible to their leaders, and therefore their contributions are maybe not as felt or as present. So what advice do you have for leaders to encourage and draw those people back reach out yeah <laughs> you know and and it, it's not actually a zoom call it's actually picking up the phone and saying you know i'm interested in hearing what you're going through that now if a leader was to ring me up or even text me and go i want to set up a call i just want to check in how you're going you know how you're going are you okay with that So you're seeking permission. You just haven't rung them up, you know, making sure that they're working or whatever. It's just following those respectful guidelines of the way in which most people would consider is reasonable and respectful. And I think when we can um, show um, respect and integrity, so we do what we say we're going to do, we're aligning our actions with our words, that is when we can really start to... Um, bring people along because how we can only bring people along to the level that they want to be brought along. And the best way of doing that is understand them. And you understand them by listening, by questioning, by supporting. And I I remember hearing this um, definition of, you know, what understanding means. It's to stand under someone and support them, you know, and wouldn't that be wonderful that, you know, every now and then a leader just kind of like checks in on the phone or even we've found leaders just sending um, gifts to their um, their teams just as care a packages. reminder. <laughs> yeah, care package, just thinking of you, little things yeah. like that. Mm. Physical, tangible things actually impact people on, yeah, quite quite a big way. Yeah, and that that's why, you know, we come back, it's almost full circle, that the leaders who did have some insight into the people within their team and knew that they either, you know, liked animals or, you know, had children were able to use that throughout, you know, the, the periods of isolation to check in on an interpersonal level and therefore draw people out who were going dark because there were mm. some people mm. that, that were doing that. Mm. But I t- totally agree, Jan, just keep. And that's why, you know, we always say keep up your one-on-one check-ins with people. And also don't make it just your responsibility as a leader. We There was another activity that we did with people and that was called, you know, coffee roulette. And you put everybody's name in a hat and you picked out two people and you, you were to have a virtual coffee with them throughout the week. And so we were all, you know, the whole team was sharing that responsibility of checking in because for some people they they felt oh god my leader's micromanaging me so if that doesn't work you try whatever you can to to encourage people to feel supported because it doesn't always have to come from you as a leader there are other people who are great at that too yeah absolutely I, I completely agree with that and it's it is 
ultimately we each have an individual responsibility to be contributing and, and helping, especially at, at times like this, um, mm. helping our peers, even helping our managers, like mm. helping up is just <laughs> yes, as important yes. as helping across yes. and helping down. So, so. Mm. So we've talked a lot about the individual at the leadership level, and we've talked a lot about some of the skills that leaders should be thinking about in order to lead effectively right now. What I'd like to ask you about is, what does the cumulative effort of all of those behaviors of leaders have on cultures that have really become quite fragmented. So if you were working in an office space and you had the artifacts and the rituals of your culture um, that are now suddenly not there anymore, um, how are leaders filling that void with the way that they're actually showing up? And, And maybe some tips for leaders around how to keep building and keeping a cohesive culture. What, what advice would you have? Mm-hmm. Well, some of the rituals are still there. You know, like everyone is still having team meetings. People are having town hall gatherings. People are um, getting on Zoom with their whole organisation. They're bringing in speakers. They're doing breakout rooms. Like there are ways that we can still continue some of those rituals around bringing the organisation together so much more effectively than what they were able to do before. So I was talking to a speaker Um, who was able to attend an event with four other international speakers and they were able to do it in their lounge room and the organisation now want to do that as a regular way of bringing the whole organisation together and they weren't able to do it because it just wasn't possible. So I think it's just... um, looking at possibilities and the question is how do we bring our team together what are some of the things that we can use that we know is working on a smaller scale that we can do it on a bigger scale so that would be um, one thing that I would that I would really encourage Um, and then it's ways that we can physically Um, bring people together so what is a tangible way that it looks like as a team we are the same you know that that we are moving towards the same thing and um, part of that is asking your team you don't have to have all the ideas but actually asking them so if we were to be um, more constructive or cohesive what would we be doing now that we're perhaps not doing as much that we used to do yeah and so when we talk about Jen and I talk a lot about you know creating high performing teams and you know at the top of the list really is having an empowered mindset which we've talked about the other one is being clear about our purpose as a team and so you know just a question like what does success look like for us as a team and and it's broad enough for people to feel as though they could contribute and it would be okay and then you just start collecting that and that is going to give you such rich data and then the next one are we clear about the roles that we are going to perform in this team you know you could so clarity is everything there and then the next one is you know do we have um, trusted relationships with one another are we getting on do we need to sort of develop some sort of team charter or a set of behavioral principles all of those things that good teams did face to face we're just going to do and refresh them virtually and then they put them up so some of the teams have then put them up around their walls and showed everyone what it actually looks like so there are lots of ways that you can bring it to life and make it tangible so your physical Mm. environment is reminding you about what's important and the fact that you're part of a team so Mm. one of the um, senior leaders and their team had 
in, um, pictures of his team, team, yeah, um, on his wall. You know what I mean? And he had to remind himself, I need to check in with that. Um, they were a, um, a little bit kind of like off yesterday, so I need to. So there are lots of ways. It's actually bring it to life and making it tangible because we're such visual beings. You know, we need that that reminder. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think what I'm hearing from both of you, um, if I'm not mistaken, is just this mindset of the unthinkable is actually thinkable. thinkable. Yes. Yeah. yes. So yes. what we thought was previously not possible is actually now possible if we just yes. put our minds to it. And that brings us back to where we started around this, the individuality and embracing the individual spirit and essence and creativity that um, is at our disposal. Uh, you know, each of us has the power to bring that creativity to work every day. And mm-hmm. I, I feel like I've been given a real gift where I no longer have a commute. So I have more time to be creative and more time for self-care. And that directly pays back into the day that I have at work with my coworkers. So um, I, I feel like there's, there's optimism and there's, as I've been hearing both of you speak, there's a lot of what's going on in organizations and for leaders that's truly optimistic, despite mm. the, uh, the difficulties that COVID has presented to us. So I don't know, in a, in a quick 30-second um, wrap-up from each of you, um, perhaps you could share with me what is your most optimistic feeling about the future for workplaces as we, we go forward here? Okay, so the, the thing that came to my mind, and it's the first word I wrote down when we started talking, was possibility. And it is. And anything is really possible when you have that desire and the discipline to do it. And I think the mindset that is going to do that is to be optimistic and realistic. And when you can hold that mindset with that vision of, you know, what is possible, like asking that question, what is possible? Mm. Then I think we're open to, yeah, creating what we really want. Oh, well said, Jen. The only other thing that comes up for me a lot is clarity and kindness. If we can marry those two together as leaders, as individuals, as fellow team members, then we are going to get through this um, with minimal conflict and, you know, maximum support. And the growth potential in individuals and teams is um, amazing. And we're seeing that now. So that's really, um, yeah, it's, it's great. Really positive. Yeah, I mean, the real question is why would we ever want to go back to what we had? Oh. You know, no, we won't. Yeah. We can't. No, we, way, we, no. we can't. No, no we, this I'm has not. changed us. Yeah, this yeah. has changed yeah. us for sure. Yeah. 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 Well, this has been an absolutely delightful time. Thank you so much, both of you, for your energy and your wisdom and enthusiasm. <laughs> and uh, I wish you both well. I hope you stay safe and that you continue to charge forward and help your customers and other leaders to uh, just build their resilience and uh, find a way forward in a positive way. So thank you both very much. Oh, our pleasure, oh, Bev. Yeah, thank you, Bev, for having us. It was great. Mm-hmm. <laughs> great. Well, take care. Thanks for listening to this episode of People at Work. It would mean a lot to us if you could head over to Apple Podcasts and leave a review. The more reviews we get, the more people discover the podcast. Also, don't forget to subscribe to ensure that you don't miss an episode. You can do this wherever you get your podcasts. Or you can reach me at bev at jostle.me or find me on LinkedIn. Until next time, take care. Yeah.